enter a trial. He's like, no, it's kind of going to be like this when you enter all kinds of trials. So this year ahead, you might not just enter one trial. I mean, you might have one that will stick out among many. Okay? But you need to understand this. That not, any, not one of us in this room is exempt from any trials or any challenges. If our very own Christ had to confront them, we will too. But here is James, and he's talking to the church, and he says, man, count it all joy, though, when you fall into this stuff. When you fall into various trials. And then he says, knowing this, the reason why you count it joy is this reason. That the testing of your faith, it produces patience. But let the patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking Nothing. How many of you can say amen? Count it all joy. Why? Because James says it's testing our faith. And what it's doing is it's producing in us patience. I love what the ESV uses. It uses the word this, steadfastness. It, it's producing steadfastness in us. This, this patience, this, this being steadfast, it makes us mature that we will lack nothing. The reason why I love the word steadfast in that passage is because what the word steadfast means. And here it is as we enter 2016. The word steadfast means loyal, faithful, committed, devoted, dependable, steady, unwavering. How many of you can say amen? (laughs) See how that verse makes a whole lot of sense now? Count it all joy when you enter into various trials. Because know this, that the testing of your faith, it produces steadfastness. That when you enter trials, it builds up your faith, it matures up your faith, so that you from now on will live out a life before Christ unwavering. You will be steady, you will be dependable, you will be committed, you will be loyal, you will stand your ground. What are you going to say? Bring it on. It's that kind of attitude. Steadfast, bring it on. Unwavering, loyal, faithful. Bring it on, 2016. Entering the year, not expecting perfection or ease. But we're okay with trials and challenges. Ain't that crazy? We are a church that is okay with trials and challenges. Why? Bring it on. Bring it on. But as we enter into trials and challenges... The reason why we are okay is because we confront it with all joy. And I'm okay if the Lord wants me to enter the year, this year, and go through it with no problems. Like, who's not okay with that? Yes, I'll sign me up. A year with no problems. Would love that. Would love that. But listen to what I'm going to tell you. I will. Mark my words, man. I will find it an honor, an honor if the Lord wants me to face trials. I will find it as an honor. You want to know why I find it as an honor? Because then I share with other believers. I share with those that are in the scriptures that face difficult moments and they never wavered. And it will be an honor for me to pass through trials. And at the end of the trial, God looks at me and says, son, Faithful, you never wavered. Instead, 
your faith was strengthened. How many of you could praise the Lord? Bring it on. Bring it on. Man, that's awesome. And Paul, when you think about Paul, Paul knows what it means to serve the Lord, but yet suffer many trials. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 11 if you're taking notes. In 2 Corinthians 11, I'm going to read from verses 21 through 29. And just for the sake of it and for fun, I'm going to read from the, from the message translation just in this passage. Um, because I want you to see the way he words what your translation says. Just check this out and you can follow with me in your translation. It says this. Verse 21 on, it says, Since you admire the egomaniacs of the pulpit, Man, I could preach a whole message right there, but I'm not. Since you admire these egomaniacs of the pulpit so much, remember this is your old friend, the fool, talking. Paul, it's awesome. But let me try my hand at it. Look what he says about these people that are preaching and that everyone is like wowing over. Like, ooh, look at him. And, and people just wow over some of these preachers like if, but whatever, let's just continue. He says, do they brag about being Hebrews, about being Israelites? We could move those words around to mean something different in our day. Do they brag about being the pure race of Abraham? I'm their match. Are they servants of Christ? I can go on them one better. I can't believe I'm saying these things. It's crazy to talk this way, but I started and I'm going to finish. I'm going to bring it on. That's what Paul's saying. Like you're, you're the church that I planted, Corinth, and I'm not going to let you just be astray by these wishy-washy preachers that are preaching sugar-coated messages, these egomaniacs that all of you guys just look at and wow over their words like honey dripping out, but they're foolish, and I'm going to bring it on. I'm going to teach you that stop listening to those kind of preachers. I love that Paul's saying that because I can relate to him. I can relate to this guy. And look what he says here. I've worked. Paul's like, I'm going to say it. I've worked much harder. I've been jailed more often. I've been beaten up more times than I can count. And at death's door, time after time, I've been flogged five times with the Jews' 39 lashes, beaten by Romans' rods three times, pummeled with rock once. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In hard traveling year in and year out, I've had two Ford Rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at the risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert, sun, sea, storm, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many and long and lonely nights without sleep. Many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. Pause on a rant. And that's not the half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches that I pastor. <laughs> Paul's like, you guys give me a headache too, Paul's telling Corinth. When someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. You think it's easy being an apostle? <laughs> Paul's going nuts. You think it's easy being a pastor? You think it's easy being a servant of the Lord? Look at my resume. Look what I've gone through, Paul says. I love this. I love this. You want to know what true Christianity is? Read this letter, Corinth. <laughs> I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been bruised. I've been hurt. I've been almost killed. I've been betrayed by my very own. And he just goes on a read. This is Christianity. Bring it on, false teachers. He's like, whoa, okay, Paul. I got you, man. Lord, I repent of all my sins. But Paul goes hard. Paul brings it on. And, man, there are some very interesting things that are written by Paul. But in them all, he always brings it. He remains steadfast. He, 
You, you read the letters of Paul and the ideas of Paul, the words of Paul, and he never wavers. It all started one day in the book of Acts chapter 9. He's walking down the road of Damascus and the Lord interrupts his path. And we see Paul's conversion as he gives his life over to Jesus Christ and for his service. And ever since Acts chapter 9, we see a devotion and loyalty to Christ in Paul like never before. Once he made contact with Christ, Paul's life was never the same. And I read passages like this, and all I could say is this. What an honor to say, bring it on, whatever may be, I will share in the same sufferings of Paul. And like Paul said, I will share in the same sufferings of Jesus Christ my Lord. What an honor. What a joy. I look at this. I read Hebrews 11. I read all these things about scripture. And I say, I'm in pretty good company. I'm in pretty good company with trials and challenges and hardships. And when 2016 comes hardcore down my path, I'm in good company with servants of the Lord and with Jesus Christ to fight every single one of those battles. Bring it on. What an honor. I've shared this quote before and I want to I wanna share it again. Leonard Ravenhill, old school, hardcore man. He once said this, the question isn't, were you challenged? The question is, were you changed? Bring it on, challenges. But what good are my trials and my challenges if they don't change me? There's where the amen should have been. See, I pray that this year, that it's a year of change, And a year of growth for all of us. Not because the things confronting us will change. But because we've changed through the things that we've confronted. See, sometimes we try to change our challenges without noticing that God wants our challenges to change us. Come on. So I'm okay with 2016 coming hard. And I ask this question. To you guys, who's ready? Who's ready with me? Who's ready? I love how one translation says in Matthew 21, 21, one translation says it this way. Jesus says, I tell you that if you have an unwavering faith, you shall not only perform such a miracle as this fig tree, but that you even say to this mountain, mountain, be thou lifted up. And be thrown into the sea and it shall be done. My God, you will see some amazing things if you just have some unwavering faith. If you are just steadfast in your, if you just remain steady. Man, if you just stay loyal and committed, you're going to see some things, man. How many of you are ready for 2016? I want to share a story that I know for sure I've either shared here on a Bible study or on a Sunday message. And it's the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's story is a very interesting story. Through raids and through captivity, God puts favor in Nehemiah's life. And Nehemiah now is under the rule of Persian rule of the king of Persia, Artaxerxes. 
And in Nehemiah 1, he gets word. He gets word that his people are in great trouble and great shame. That his hometown where he was born at, where he was from, Jerusalem, has been raided. Its walls have been destroyed. Its gates are now on fire. And no one is safe any longer. See, for us, we don't understand the days of Nehemiah because we don't have walls that protect our cities. We don't have gates that hold or push back our enemies. In these days, when walls were destroyed or when gates were burned down, now you have free access. The enemy can just come in and destroy your city, whatever cost. There is no gates up to separate them. There is no, there's no walls up. They have free game, and they walk in, and they destroy everyone within that city. Nehemiah hears about this, and he begins to be filled with sorrow. His hometown has been raided. And in verse 4, look what it says. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. It says, so it was, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. You see that he was broken here. See, he was hurting. See, he was filled with pain. It says here, and I mourned for many days. He just didn't cry about it, lived on with his life. He stayed in his chamber and he cried and he mourned. He was broken about Jerusalem for days. Like my people, my walls, my gates, the city I love, the people I love. You know, I started to think about Nehemiah and I said, man, he probably knew people back home. He probably had childhood friends that were there, family members that were there. People he knew and were very close to at one time that, he, that were back in Jerusalem. So while he was mourning over Jerusalem, he was probably like, I wonder if they're okay. I wonder if Fred is okay. Weird name, yeah. I wonder if Joanne is okay. I wonder if my auntie's okay. I, I wonder if they're okay. And he's crying and he's broken and the walls are down and the gates are on fire. Jerusalem has been raided. The people are in danger. So he's serving under this king of Persia. And Artaxerxes is, is an interesting guy if you ever study him. He's actually the one who already decreed that the work of rebuilding Jerusalem must stop. So whatever the king says, people needed to listen because he was reigning and he was all powerful at this time. And in the rest of this chapter, you study that Nehemiah, he begins to pray to the Lord... And he prays that the Lord would give him success and that he would grant mercy before the king of Persia. You see, I like this because I start to read the book of Nehemiah and it's as if Nehemiah already knew that God can move powerful, powerful people to act in ways that accord with his own plans. I know that this powerful man has signed the law that says Jerusalem can't be rebuilt. But I know that as I pray, I serve one who is more powerful than the king of Persia who can change his mind and could send me back to Jerusalem to build the walls again. God, send me back and put favor before the king. <laughs> I know the king of Persia said no. But all that could change if my God says yes. See, you, gotta, you see, you got to be at that place with God where you understand that, that, that God just functions at a whole different way than man does. It's funny because when one door closes, God's like, look, 
Look the other way, there's another door. I mean, I mean God is, just wows his people like that. And, and Nehemiah gets this. I have a powerful God, and I know he could move powerful people to act in ways that are according to his plans, his purposes, his will. So in chapter 2, he's standing before the king, and the king sees that Nehemiah is not the same. He loves Nehemiah. And he says, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? You look sad. You look like something is haunting you. What's up, man? And Nehemiah's like, oh, king, I don't know if you know this, but my people are destroyed. Jerusalem is burned down. The walls have been destroyed. The gates are on fire. I'm a mess because I have family and friends back there. I need something, king. I, I, I need to go back. And it's amazing because here is this king that said no one can build in Jerusalem again. But in chapter 2, when the king sees him sad, he grants him permission to go back to Jerusalem for some time and to help rebuild the wall. But you know what's amazing? The king is going to help fund the project and he helps them give the material to build up the walls and the gates. That's awesome. God's like, I'm not only going to change the enemy's mind, but I'm going to change the enemy and he's going to help you build the things that were destroyed. That's amazing. It's amazing. I love that when I read through the life of Nehemiah and I look at him through the text of, of the book of Nehemiah, I, I see his sensitivity and I see his faithfulness to the Lord. I'll give you two examples. In Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 12, look what he says. He says, then I arose in the night and a few men with me. And look what it says. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. What, what am I trying to say here? I love that we see that he's being faithful and sensitive to that which God has put in his what? God spoke a word in his heart. Another verse is in chapter 7, verse 5. Nehemiah says this, Then my God put it into my heart. Again. Two times in this book, we see in these scriptures that Nehemiah was sure of what the Lord had spoken to him. And I believe this, that one of our greatest strengths in the face of our trials is this right here. That we don't back down because how difficult. We don't back down because how oppressing it may seem. But instead we bring it on because of how sure we are of God's word in our heart that whatever might seem difficult and whatever might seem impossible I'm going to confront it anyways because I am sure God has said this to me that's amazing that you are sure in his word and how much it means to be obedient to that command of his to that word of his that he put in your heart and that you would enter these trials that you would enter these challenges these circumstances and as we enter them, that we will count it all joy because God has put it in our hearts. And what he's put in our hearts, we cannot lose heart of it. Oh, really? There's things being burned down? Well, God's going to call me to extinguish that fire. God is going to call me to heal. God is going to call me to serve. That I will enter into these things and I will count it all joy that if God has put it in my heart, then I will never lose heart. I will remain steadfast. I will remain loyal, depending, and I will remain unwavering in all of my ways. 
So we go to Nehemiah chapter 2, and we're going to read on in verses 17 and on, if you could just follow with me there. It says in verse 17, he says, then I said to them, he gets to Jerusalem, and he's speaking to all the Jerusalemites, and he says, you see the distress that we are in? Isn't that awesome? You see the challenge we're in? You see the problem we're in? You see the circumstances we're in? How Jerusalem lies waste? Like, come here. What lies waste, right? In this passage, it's Jerusalem. In your life, it could be anything. In your life, what distress are you seeing? I mean, here it's Jerusalem's sake, but in your life, who knows what it is? And then he says, the gates are burned with fire. But look what he says next. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Who talks like this? Seriously. Who in the world talks like Nehemiah? Like I really want you to put yourself in his shoes. Hey everyone. You see what we're going through? You see what's happening to our hometown? Many of you lost loved ones. The city's walls are down. The gates are burned with fire. And everyone's like, I know. But then he says, come on. Let us build the wall again. That we will no longer be a joke, a mockery. That we'll be no longer put to shame. Church, everything looks destroyed. Everything looks like there is no hope. But Nehemiah's words is, I know it looks like no hope. I know it looks like a joke. But come on. Who's up with me? We're going to bring it anyways. And, and I read this and I study the story of Nehemiah. And I say, my gosh, I don't know what I would have done in his shoes. I, I pray that I would do the same. Look at verse 18. And he says, I told them of the hand of God which had been given, who had been good upon me. And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. Well, what Nehemiah is saying in verse 18 is this. I told them of the testimonies of God, of God's workings in my life, and how God has given me favor even with the king, our enemy. So when I began to tell them of all the good things that God is doing in my life, look at the next part of that verse. So the people began to say, what? Whoa, 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 Nehemiah. If what you say is true, man, if what you're saying is right, man. Look what they're doing. They're all pumped up. He's rolling them up. He's like, then let us rise up and let us build. And they set their hands to this good work. You see, sometimes all we need is someone to believe in us. Or sometimes all what someone else might need is, is just for you to believe in them. And here is Nehemiah and he's sharing the testimonies of God and what God's done. And now everyone begins to believe in his word. And everyone begins to, to go into this plan that he is going to set in place to build up the walls of Jerusalem again. I read this and I say, my Lord, that's kind of like my role today as your pastor. Hey, you're in distress. Things lie in waste. Things are broken this year in your marriage or things are broken in your family or, or fine, I mean, whatever the heck it may be. But like Nehemiah, I stand before you. I'm waving my hands. I'm like, it's okay. I know things have been burned down. I know things have been destroyed. I know things have been affected. But come on, 
Let's keep going. Let's keep building. Let's keep going and let's not waver. Let's stand strong. Let's build. Let's build the walls back up again. Let's be a testimony to all the nations around us. Let's show the king who we are. I came back from Persia to come and serve alongside you. Get up from your distress. Get up from your wasteland. Get up from all those things and show people in Christ Jesus our Lord, we're going to bring it on. We're not dead. We're going to bring it on. And Nehemiah does that. Nehemiah says that. Nehemiah lives that. Nehemiah lives that. And he begins to rally the folk. And they begin to believe because all he does is believe in them. Man. Verse 19 is interesting though. Because there's people on the other side of that wall that never want God's people to succeed. It says that when others heard about this, Sanballat and Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, they began to laugh at us. You know, I, could, I just want to say so much. Like, you know very well, like, your family just laughs at you sometimes. Your friends just laugh at you sometimes. But let them laugh. Because when that wall is built, when you confront those challenges and you count it all joy and you smile while you're doing it, and they're laughing at you, like it's never going to happen. You think you're going to actually serve God like that? You think that? When they laugh at you, look what it says here. They began to laugh at us and despise us, and they began to say, what is this thing that you are doing? How many of you have ever been told that? Come on. Taking God to say, come on, what is this that you're doing? What is this that I'm doing? What is this that you're doing? Are you going to actually rebel against the king? You think you're actually stronger and mightier than the king? Don't you understand that you're building something that the king said to stop building? I want you to know this. That as you are faithful with what the Lord has put in your life, what the Lord has told you to face, not everyone will walk with you to face those challenges. You're going to notice that in life. The crazy thing is that it might be some very same people in this room right now. Some people outside of this room. God's going to call you. I remember I have a buddy of mine, and he's confronting something in his life. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to be there for you through this. But I can't go with you through it. I'll be there if you want. Call me. I'll lift up your hands. I'm praying for you. But now you are going to have to confront this and go through it all alone. But you can do it because God's with you. God's with you. And then there's others that as you begin to be faithful to what the Lord has called you to and to face what the Lord has called you to face, that they will laugh at you. Look what Nehemiah says in verse 20. He says, so I answered them and I said to them, love this passage. It says this, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Nehemiah's like, I don't need man when I have God. Come on. 
I don't need your riches and I don't need your words when I serve the one who causes me to prosper. I love how one translation says, it says, I shot back. The God of heaven will make sure that we succeed. We are his servants and we are going to work rebuilding. And you could keep your nose out of it. You get no say in this. Jerusalem is none of your business. I love that. Because as we go on in 2016 and there are some trials and there are some hardships and there are some challenges. Listen, negativity and lies and those who stand against us, uh, against for what we stand for, the truth is they have no business with us. They have no share. They have no legal right. Like the NLT says, they have no claim to it. It's none of their business what God has called you to. You confront it, you go through it, and those that laugh and and laugh and mock at you, you smile at them and just say, God will prosper me me in this. God will cause me to succeed in this because you have no share, you have no legal right, you have no claim. These individuals, man, they stood against Nehemiah day in and day out to frustrate. Everyone say frustrate. Beautiful word. Have ever been frustrated before? To frustrate what God had put in their heart. And don't you ever think for once that in your service to God this year, don't think for once you won't get frustrated. You're going to get frustrated at some point of the year. But come on, what do you say to that frustration? Bring it on. What do you say to the lies? Bring it on. What do you say to the mockery? Bring it on. The naysayers. Bring it on. I'm, I'm cool. Bring it on. I, I didn't want to do this, but I started to think as I was preparing this. Of, I know this is weird, but I'm going to do it anyways. Tim Tebow was dating like this hot girl or whatever. She was like a model. Supposedly she was like hot. And, and everyone was like, I can't believe Tim Tebow. She's so hot. And they broke up. And I'm, and I'm just like, What? She's like a model. But then I started to look into the story and I said, oh, she has a plan. She got with one Christian who had a promise ring to stay faithful to the Lord. And she made him lose his virginity and he took off his promise ring and he no longer wore it because she took away his virginity. And that young man, from what I see from from his fruit, he hasn't come back to serving the Lord again. And they broke up. And then her aim, this beautiful woman which I look at her now and as pretty as the world might see her I look at a picture and I say she's one of the ugliest things I've ever seen because of who she is internally she has an aim to go to godly men who are trying to stay faithful to their wives or faithful till they get married and her main goal is to make them go away from turn away from that promise so she went she started dating Tim Tebow and Tim Tebow said no to her I'm not going to do it and um, she broke up with him because as much as she tried he would not give in to her. She put him on blast. Everyone started making fun of Tim Tebow. I started to smile at him. I was like, that a boy. She put him on blast. You know, the very same day when everything came out in the media, Tim Tebow never said anything back. You know what, Tim Tebow? And I'm not raising up Tim Tebow because he could fall tomorrow. But I like what he did do. He put up a verse on social media glorifying the Lord and all that he does. The very same day when all this stuff came out, And I almost read all that as I was doing this message. And I said, that was Tim Tebow saying what? 
I don't care if this world says she's hot and she's smoking and I should stay with her. Bring it on. God is more important to me. And I looked at that and said, wow. That's, that's, that's who we're called to be. That whatever the circumstance, whatever the challenge, whatever may appear, whatever might mock us, we hold our ground. And here are these men, like this woman, and they, begin, begin, they continue to hear about Nehemiah's success in building this wall and giving Jerusalem its safety again. And they did whatever they can to destroy the plans of Nehemiah and God. And you know what Nehemiah would tell his people? In Nehemiah chapter 4, 14, look what it says. Nehemiah says this, do not be afraid of them. Come on. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brethren, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your houses. Bring it on. The fight is on. Put on your gloves. Grab the shield. Grab the sword. They're going to mock us. <clears throat> They're going to say things. They're going to put us on blast. But when you're going to react and when you're going to say things, don't be afraid. Remember the great and awesome Lord and fight for everyone that you fight for. Fight for what is true. Stand your ground. Keep building unwavering faith. Stay committed. Stay loyal. Bring it on. We stand with God. That's what Nehemiah told them. I love it. As I get ready to wrap this message up, we, we see in Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, so the war now is finished. And as the war is finished, in Nehemiah 6, 16, it says, and it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. I read Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16 and I say, he's saying here we brought it on. We, we went into the challenge. We, we went into the hardship. We, we went into the struggle with joy and we continued to build. And as Nehemiah and the builders would work, it's amazing because you read in this passage, with one hand they had material to build the wall, and with the other hand they had a weapon to protect themselves. And, and they were ready to be builders and warriors all at the same time. And I look at that and I say, that's so true. Because we are building the kingdom of God and we are also fighting for the kingdom of God. We are building the things of the truth, but we're also fighting for the things of the truth. And in one hand we build the things of God, and in the other hand we protect the house of God. That's who we are. We are the same kind of people like in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah did what God put in his heart. And he found that the joy of the Lord in all of this, at the end of the day, exactly what Ellie said during worship, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. How'd you do it, Nehemiah? How did you rally up a nation that was destroyed? How did you build up walls that were broken down? How did you lift up gates that were once on fire? How did you change Artaxerxes' mind? Nehemiah... How did you get all these people to actually believe in you? Oh, you don't know? Here it is. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. Nehemiah says to them, Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. Look what he says. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You want to know how I built the walls again? 
You want to know how I rallied the people? You want to know how the gates came back up again? Because I entered this trial knowing that the joy of the Lord is what gives me strength. Yes, at times I was miserable. Yes, at times I even doubted. Yes, at times I wasn't even sure if we could do it. But I was unwavering. I stayed loyal. I was dependable to God. And I stayed trusting that he was going to accomplish what he has spoken in my heart. And his joy became my strength in the midst of my greatest trial. Church. The joy of the Lord is your strength today. The walls, the challenges, the things he's called you to, the only way you're going to get through it is by recognizing, oh, the joy of the Lord, that you would strengthen me in this. I opened up with James chapter 1. And in James chapter 1, if you could stand with me as we get ready to read this passage again. Verses 2. Three and four. James repeats with his wordage what Nehemiah shared to his people. And James says, My brethren, you count it all joy, man, when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let patience, let the steadfastness have its perfect work. That you may be perfect, that you may be complete, lacking nothing. I look at this and I go through the story of Nehemiah I read James in the midst of persecution and I say Lord teach me and cause me to count it all joy when entering trials this year that Lord your joy would be what gives me strength that I would remain steady that I would remain loyal, committed, dependable, unwavering strength, Lord. That I will look at this year ahead of me, 2016, and I will say these words to it. Bring it on. Whatever it might be, bring it on. Because I enter it with the joy of the Lord. And that joy is what gives me strength. Because I'm weak. I'm weak in my own happiness. Because I've recognized that in my life what makes me happy today can make me sad tomorrow. I've recognized that my strength of self today can actually be my weakness of myself tomorrow. But in you, Christ, in your joy, in your peace, in your presence, in the joy of the Lord is where I find true strength. And I'm able, like Nehemiah, to bring on whatever may come this year. That I will be able to build and that I will be able to fight for. And that's what I pray for this church. 
And that's what I pray for every person that's here this year. That this year, we will make a commitment today. We're going to build up our lives in Christ. We're not going to waver. And in building, we're going to stand. And we're going to stand fighting for God's truth. And whatever may come, we know that we serve one who is greater. One who is mightier. One who says something different than what man says. Ones whose ways are different than man's ways. Ones whose thoughts are different than man's thoughts. And that we would stand before him. Committed to him. Facing everything that this year may bring. Saying that phrase, bring it on. And that we would find joy and strength, maturity and growth. And that when we evaluate this year at the end of this year, and we ask that question like we did last week, so how did we do? We could all say, I'll never forget that first Sunday of that, of that 2016. I'm stronger today than when I was January 3rd. I'm filled with more joy today. Man, I faced my trials. But man, did I bring it. This is what I pray because what a testimony it is to stand up here today. And to see faces which I know some of your stories very well. Some of you have gone through some very strong and difficult trials this year. I would never stand up here and name them. But you know some of the ones that you have even shared with me. Some of you have gone through some very difficult moments this year, but you know what blesses me? It's the start of a new year. We're in His Word. We're all standing together, and you're still here, unwavering, standing in God's truth. What an honor it is to do life with people like you. Amen? Now, Lord, we're still here. Like Peter's words, where else can we go? For your words give eternal life. Cause us to be steadfast, unwavering, loyal, fighting, building, looking at all the things this year brings, saying, bring it on. So as we close off today in prayer, Lord, you know the people in here, you know every detail. I pray that you strengthen, that you give hope, that they will know that this word was for them, and that they have a God that fights for them and favors them, gives them mercy today. So if you're here today and you're like, I didn't know how I was going to go another year, I pray that this word today reminded you, oh, yes, you are going to go another year, and you're going to go just like this. pray that if that's you, you would be encouraged today. But as we close off, if there's anyone here, maybe you're visiting, and you're just saying, I need Jesus in my life, man. You know, you shared this message, and I just need Christ. I've never accepted him in my life. I need him as my Lord and Savior. And I want to repent of all my sins. I want to confess him as Lord. And I just want to Receive him in my life as my king, as my Lord, as my Savior, and ask him to forgive me. With every eye closed right now, if that's you, and you know you need Jesus today, and you don't want to go another day of this year 
without Christ in your life. You want to experience what Paul experienced in Acts 9 that changed his life forever. If today you need that conversion, you need that transformation in Christ, if that's you with every eye closed right there where you're at, if you need Jesus in your heart, in your life, right there where you're standing, can you just raise your hand quietly and say, Jesus, here I am. I stand before your presence saying, I need you. Anyone else? Anyone else says, I need you. To go on another year, here I am, Lord. Anyone else? Amen. Lord, you know the hands. We ask you to strengthen them. That right there, that confession is more than just a prayer we can say. But that right there, the confession was made. And that you would seal their hearts. That you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. Lord, strengthen this body. Strengthen everyone that's here. Let this year be a great year. Because yes, we might enter trials. But man, we're going to look at them and say, bring it on. It's going to be a great year because we're going to find joy in the midst of all those trials. We're going to count it all joy. I'm excited, Lord, for a new year. A new year of blessings. A new year of your favor. A new year of mercies of your grace. And a new year of me growing Growing through shortcomings, through trials, through heartaches. I pray that they would change me. I pray that this new year would not just be a good year, but that it would be a great year. Finding joy in your strength. So we love you, Lord. We glorify you. And we declare your holy name in Jesus Christ, we pray. And together, church, we say, Amen. Give them some praise right there where you're at. Thank you, Lord.